This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Guys, we want to welcome everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Man, what a great crowd. We got, I know of a lot of people out of town today, but we got a lot of guests with us too. And so again, we thank you so much for, for being with us. And um, if you're watching online, we thank you so much for tuning in today and uh, being part of this, um, this family Christmas service this morning. So, um, so we've got a short message we're going to share. How many of you were at the Whoville Christmas party last night? Yeah. Friday night. Friday yeah. night. Friday night. Yeah. I heard it was pretty awesome. Was it pretty good? Mm-hmm. I was watching through the camera. It looked like y'all had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't invited. I'm oh. too old, they say. I don't know. But, but two weeks ago, we started a message um, called The Journey of Christmas. And um, so anybody remember what I talked about two weeks ago? What was it? You remember? Who can say Jesus. it? Jesus. <laughs> yes. Zach, that's the typical children's Two weeks ago, answer. we went back and we talked about Christmas origins. And not necessarily the origins of Christmas, but the origins of the celebration of the season. That there are pagan origins to the celebration of the season. This isn't necessarily the time of year when Jesus was born, but that does not make Christmas a pagan holiday. Christmas is a Christian holiday, and we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And it's okay to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's okay. You know what, like I, the example I, I've given a couple times now is people say, well, you shouldn't celebrate it just once a year. We don't. We're thankful every day for the birth of Jesus. But you celebrate your kid's birthday once a year. You stop and you reflect and you remember. And you're thankful for them every single day. And I think it's all right that we have one day out of the year that we stop and we really stop and we celebrate and we reflect on the birth of our Savior. Last week, what did we talk about last week? Man, was anybody here. We talked about the tidings. The tidings that were brought to the world, the tidings of comfort and joy. We talked about how these tidings were brought to the shepherds in the field. They weren't brought to royalty. They weren't brought to the high priest. They were brought to normal people like you and me. And it says that the tidings were for all people. And we talked about the impact of what that meant. So today, in honor of the Whoville Christmas party, and one of my favorite characters of all time, the Grinch, we're going to talk a little bit about the Grinch and about Whoville. How many of you love the Grinch? Now, you could be talking about the 1962 Grinch, 62? Grinch me. that stole Christmas. How many, of you, how many of you love that one? Then you got the Jim Carrey. Uh, man, some of you are like, no. No. Okay. And then, and then last year they released um, the, uh, the new movie, The Grinch. But, um, but I thought we would talk a little bit about the Who's. Y'all know who the Who's are? What city do the Who's live in? Whoville. That's right. But before we talk about the Who's, let's talk for a minute about the Grinch. What do we know about the Grinch? He's grumpy. Yeah. His heart is small. His heart is three sizes too small. I think we have a picture of the Grinch, don't we? Two sizes too small. Sorry. He's green. You're right. Why was the Grinch so grumpy? We see in the movie, actually, I'm not going to allow answers to every question. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to give rhetorical statements. <laughs> all right, y'all, hands down. There you go. Good job. We'll spend all day answering Let's put questions. the picture of the Grinch up. Yeah. There we there go. There he is. All right. Everybody recognize the Grinch? That's the new Grinch. The new Grinch. The Grinch felt rejected and mistreated, we see from his past. 
There were people that were mean to him, right? We talked about how the Grinch was mean, but there were people that were mean to him. And as a result, he refused to be around people. He didn't want to be around community. He didn't want friends and family because all he knew was that people were mean. And so what did he do? Because people were mean to him, he was mean too, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe he was grumpy because he was isolated, because he didn't have friends and family to be around. That'll make you grumpy in a moment. Imagine if you had to celebrate Christmas on Wednesday and nobody was home. Your mom and dad and everybody left and you were home to celebrate Christmas all by yourself. Well, that would be pretty depressing and sad. And so I believe that's one of the reasons that the Grinch was so grumpy. Being alone makes us lonely. Anybody ever been lonely before? Been lonely? Yeah. Makes you lonely. It cuts us off from sources of love and nurture and accountability. And those are things that God put within us that we need. And we, that's why we need to be around each other. So without community around him, the Grinch comes to this place where he believes that hating Christmas... And stealing Christmas from the Who's was the acceptable thing to do. That it was okay. But it wasn't, was it? That wasn't the right thing to do. So here's the thing. Some of, as we watch the movie, some of the reasons the Grinch had for disliking Christmas, I think in some ways were legitimate. He disliked Christmas because it was so busy. He disliked all the gifts and the materialism. He mentions a few times in the latest movie, which we watched the other night, he mentions a couple times that it's so noisy that he can't enter into a store without bells ringing. How many of you know that sometimes the noise of Christmas can drown out the true meaning? Sometimes it can drown out the still small voice of God. And so I think there was some legitimacy. We can all be tempted to get a little grinchy around the holidays. And unfortunately, sometimes even family, being around family can make us a little grinchy. Because our heart's not in the right place. But that's all right. So we have so much to celebrate in the Christmas season. Season, knowing that Jesus came, he was born in a manger, and this should fill us with unspeakable joy. So what can we learn? So Pastor Rob was just talking a little bit about the Grinch, right? But I want to talk about the Who's of Whoville for a little bit, right? So I think the Who's of Whoville were just the opposite of the Grinch, right? We see that the Who's loved community. They loved to be with each other. No one was ever excluded. No one was ever left out. Now, I know some of you are going like, that ain't real. That does not ever happen, right? Does anybody, any adult out there feel think that way? Um, and so let's be real for a moment. We know that sometimes community can be messy. Sometimes we know that community can be complicated. You know, um, Dr. Seuss never um, talks about the who's arguing over who's going to decorate the Christmas tree, what color the Christmas tree lights are going to be. Uh, we don't see him talking about, well, what food are we going to have? Is it going to be turkey or is it going to be ham? Maybe the compromise was what? Roast beast. Maybe, right? Uh, we don't know. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to say that family and community can't be complicated, but what we do know is the who's made a priority of community. And we know that there are many benefits. We know that there's a lot of life-giving things about community um, that we need as um, Christians to be um, to keep us from being grinchy. Because who in here, and don't raise your hand, wants to be grinchy? 
<laughs> I knew if I said it, there'd be one or two that'd go, yeah, that's what I thought. You know, we don't want to be grinchy. We may feel it sometimes. So what are some things that we can learn about from the Who's? So number one, the Who's. The Who's did community. Uh, the One thing the Who's do as community is they eat together. How many of you guys like to eat? All right. How many of you guys know that when you leave today, we are going to have cookies and milk, cookies and drinks out in the foyer for you? All right. So when service is over, we're going to get done a little bit early. We ask you guys to stick around and have some um, cookies and milk. Cookies and milk. Um, but in the book that Dr. Seuss writes, it says the who's young and old would sit down to feast and they'd feast and they'd feast and they'd feast, 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 feast. What did they do? They feed. They ate. That's right. And so, uh, you know, guys, that proves that the Who's must have been Christian, right? <laughs> yeah, you guys got that. They're down here like, what? Um, yes, we guys, we know that as Christians, um, usually um, there's going to be a potluck. There's going to be something to eat. Um, there's going to be a gathering. Anytime we as believers come together, there's going to be food um, because we do like to eat. But it's not just because we like to eat and it gives us physical nourishment. But I really believe that our spirits are nourished when we break bread together. There's something about that coming together and sharing of conversation and stories and just being together that um, is a good thing about community. So what's another thing? Another thing that Who's like to do is in community is they like to sing together. Ooh, who in here likes to sing? I know there's a couple people in my house that like to sing, 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 sing all the time. And so um, in Dr. Seuss's book, um, it actually said that the Who's, and this was in the latest movie too, that they would stand hand in hand. Remember that? And they were around the Christmas tree and the Who's started singing and they would sing, they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 right? And so, you know, there's something about lifting our voices together that connects us at a soul level. And I love in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 3, right here it says that you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy, and the people rejoice before you with joy at harvest. And so I believe that a great source of the whose joy comes from the fact that they, what was the first thing they did we talked about? They ate together, and then the second thing, I think we've got a picture for this, don't we? Um, um, that they sang together. Do we have a picture for that? Picture three. Picture three. That's eating. That's picture two. Say they ate together. Say they ate together. Okay, and then what they do, number three, actually it's our second point. They sang together, and there's a picture under the tree. Um, okay, so what's the third thing we have? I don't know what the Hughes were like the rest of the year, but during the Christmas season, they were extravagant in their celebration. All right. So as I was reviewing my notes this morning, this thought came to my mind. And then when I came to church, it just confirmed my thought. So has anybody in here ever been to a Levin birthday party? Okay, so okay, so in case you guys can't tell, this portion of the church are Levins. Um, and so Point being, very extravagant. Now, my point being, again, Matt, stand for a moment. Um, that might be a little extravagant. Okay, have a seat. <laughs> so, um, I just, extravagant. Sometimes over the top, go all out. And so we see that the Who's from Whoville did this, right? They went over the top. Um, they did it up big time. Um, some might even might go as far to say as they really indulged themselves. 
Now, when I say the word indulge, do you think of that as a good thing or a bad thing? It depends, right? If we are overindulging in debt or food or ourselves, that's probably not a good thing, right? But the who's were actually indulging in the joy of the season. They were excited about the season, and they wanted to celebrate, and they wanted to go out big. Um, And so that's exactly what they did. They didn't hold it back on their decorations, on their celebrations. They would sing all the time. Um, You know, in the movie, they're just very cheerful and over the top, right? Um, Now... How you guys remember that in the movie they were so over the top that who heard them at the top of Mount Crumpet? The Grinch, right? So it was so loud that even from a distance, attention was brought to their singing. And so joy is a good thing. Celebrating Christmas is a good thing. Now something that we have to be a little bit careful of is that we have to guard our hearts and not become grinchy with this type of party. Has anybody ever become grinchy with that type of party? I mean, like, bah humbug. That's just too much, right? And so we've got to be very careful that we don't become grinchy. Now, what do we know that the Grinch did? He saw all the who's indulging and having all this fun, and he looked down on them and what? Did he like it? Did it make him happy? No, it made him more angry, right? And so what did he decide to do? Instead of joining in, he said he wanted to what? He was going to steal it all from them. So they're happy. I'm not going to join them, so I'm just going to take it away. Anybody ever known that person that wants to ruin the party? (laughs) Don't point at them if they're in the room. All right. So there are, the reality is, there are parts of the season that are easy to hate. All right. There are maybe the bills, um, the traffic, the ringing of a bell super loud every time you walk in somewhere. Um, But in the Grinch's attempt to remove those parts of the season by stealing them from the who's, he actually cut himself from the moments of what? Joy and peace. The decision he made to try to steal it from them He was not able to experience joy and peace. And so what we have to realize is that the more that we cut ourselves off from the potential sources of joy, the more we what? We feed the Grinch on the inside of us. Guilty sometimes. (laughs) All right, and there's one last thing I think we can learn from the Who's. Lastly, the Who's did not hold a grudge. All right, now I've got a question. Okay, The first hand I see, help me here, that answers this correctly will give you a peppermint. Okay. All right. How many years did the Grinch hold a grudge? Oh, you don't know. Julie? How many? Oh, plus one? 53 years. All right. Okay. I'm throwing just heads up. It almost made it. Okay. So, the guys, the Grinch held this grudge for 53 years. How many of you guys would say that's a long time to hold a grudge? Unfortunately, it's not uncommon. It is not uncommon at all. Now, the Grinch tried to steal Christmas. He tried to take everything away from the Who's, from Whoville. And what did the Whovilles do? What did the Who's do? 
They sang, that's right. They sang because they knew that the meaning of Christmas was not tied up in all those things. It wasn't about the food. It wasn't about the presents. It was about the joy of the season. It was about being with family and being with one another. So I wonder sometimes if the grudges in our lives that are keeping us from singing and holding us back are keeping us from the joy that we could receive. And as I said last week, some people, some people, Christmas is the greatest time of the year, most wonderful time of the year. Um, to others, it's a sad time of the year, or it's a hurtful time of the year. But we've got to let those things go so that it can be everything that it was meant to be. Um, one last thing in the book, Dr. Seuss tells about how the Who's love to feast on Who pudding and Who roast beef and Who casseroles. And we see the, put up the picture again of the curvy table. Picture of the curvy, long curvy table decorated with candelabras and, no, the curvy table is like the second picture. Uh, ribbons and candelabras and the chairs at the table are all filled with all these who's with big grins on their faces and, and everything else, enjoying what they're eating, enjoying each other's company. And the who's are young and they're old and they're male and they're female and they're tall and short and they're all different. Yep. And it looks like that the who feast right there, that there was room for everybody at the table. You know, we started out talking about community, and we talked about being with everyone. No one was excluded from participating in the meal. Everyone had a place. There is something to be said for a community where there is room for everyone, where everyone feels welcome, where everyone feels valued, where everyone is invited to take and eat the meal that is offered. And how many of you guys know the end of the story? Who ended up at that table with them? Just tell me. Say it out loud. The Grinch. And there was even room for the Grinch at that table, right? And we see that he had a heart change. We see that past hurts, past wounds, past grudges, he finally let it go, and he got to experience the joy and the peace that can come. So if we're going to be like the Who's, we need to make sure that our life is dedicated to Jesus because he's who it's all about anyway, right? And it's because of him, it's because of Jesus that we can celebrate each other's company. It's because of Jesus that we have a reason to sing. It's because of Jesus that there's a reason to celebrate extravagantly. It's because he forgives us, we can forgive, and we don't have to hold grudges. As I said last week, how many of you remember the Christmas story when, when the angels come and bring good tidings to the shepherds, and they announce the birth of Jesus? And as I said earlier, they didn't come to royalty. They didn't come to just the priests. They came to just shepherds that were on a hillside, hillside taking care of the sheep. It was probably a dirty job, living outside. It was average people, average people like you and me. And they brought these, this message, it was to all mankind, to ordinary people. And so we're going to take just a minute before we close, and we are going to read the Christmas story together. Is that all right? All right, and so um, we're going to show you guys. We're actually going to be reading this. You can see right here, we've got it up here so you guys can see as well. This is called The Story for Children, a storybook Bible. And let me just tell you guys, those of you that are a part of Harvest, or if you're here and you're not a part of a church family, um, you're going to want to be here next week. Pastor Rob is going to be talking about what we as a church are going to be doing in 2020 and how we are going to be growing in the Word of God. And, um, and part of that has to do with the story. We've got a way where kids can be a part and adults can be a part. And so um, this book is going to be very 
significant for families in 2020. So you're going to see more about this book and a few others uh, beginning next week. But we're going to begin here from the children's Bible in um, chapter 22, the birth of a king. From Luke 131, you shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you shall name, his Jesus, name, name him Jesus. It's the next slide. We have each page on the, there we go. The Jewish people settled in their land. Hundreds of years passed. Generations were born, grew up, and died. Great kingdoms of the world rose and fell, and the Jews still waited for the promised one, the king, greater than King David. When the time was just right, God prepared some very special people to welcome his son. Surprised by an angel, Mary loved her village in the hills around the little town of Nazareth. The morning dew felt cool on Mary's toes, and she walked to the well for water. Good morning, a voice interrupted Mary's walk. Whoa, who are you? Mary asked the stranger. I am the angel Gabriel, and God has sent me to tell you something important. The Lord has blessed you and is with you, said the angel visitor. Mary's mind was full of questions and confusion. Don't be afraid, the angel reassured her. God is very pleased with you, and he has chosen you to be the mother of the Son of God. Soon you will have a baby boy, and you will call him Jesus, and he will be called great, and he will save the world. But how can this be, said Mary, still confused. I'm not even married yet. God will cause a miracle to happen. With God, all things are possible. Mary listened and believed the angel's words. I trust the Lord. I am his servant, and I am ready for this miracle. Mary knew that this was a great blessing, and she began to sing praises to the Lord. Meanwhile, the angel visited Joseph. He was a good man, and he loved Mary very much. The angel came to Joseph in a dream with the same message. God has caused a miracle to happen. Even though you aren't married, God's Holy Spirit has caused Mary to become pregnant. She will have a baby boy, and you will name him Jesus. Give him that special name because it means that he will save his people from their sins. Joseph believed all that the angel said. He was ready to obey. Mary was ready to obey. Together, they waited for the special miracle to come. Hallelujah. Y'all say hallelujah. hallelujah. Good job. All right. Joseph gently lifted Mary onto the donkey's back, and their journey began. The Roman emperor picked a bad time to make us go to our hometowns, Joseph complained. Yes, agreed Mary, but it's the law, and he wants to count his citizens. The trip to Bethlehem was a hard journey for a woman that was about to have a baby. Late that night, they reached the little town. I'll find a room so that you can rest, Joseph said. But every inn he tried was full of people. He knocked door after door and got the same answer. Full, no more rooms, try down the street. Mary was very tired, and Joseph was worried. He kept knocking and begging for a room. Please, we'll take a little corner, anything that you have. My wife is about to have a baby. The last innkeeper, innkeeper felt sorry for the young couple. There's a stable in the back. It's small, dark, and with the animals, and it's not very clean. We'll take it. Joseph made Mary as comfortable as he could in the damp little stable, and not a moment too soon. 
For that night, her baby boy was born, just as the angel had said. They named the baby Jesus. Mary looked at her beautiful baby, remembering the angel's words. He will save the world. That night, some shepherds were taking care of their sheep in a nearby field. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds with a glorious light shining all around. The shepherds had never seen such a thing, and they were scared. But the angel calmed them down by saying, Do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news that will be a joy to all people. Today your Savior has been born in Bethlehem, and this is how you will know him. He will be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Then many angels appeared in the sky, singing and praising God for the wonderful gift of baby Jesus. They sang, Glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. The shepherds could hardly wait to meet the baby Savior, so they went straight to the town looking for a baby lying in a manger. When they found Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, they knew that the angels' words were true. Today, my son has been born as a human. Like you, he will laugh and cry. Like you, he will know the love and comfort of family and friends. Like you, he will experience sadness and pain. Born to be your Savior, he will live among you and bring you great joy. He will be your hope and your salvation. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, guys, before we close, I want us all to bow our heads together. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to say this. So we were singing the first song, Drummer Boy. Come, they told me, a newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. So to honor him when we come. Guys, as we were worshiping, as we were singing that song, I just heard the Spirit of the Lord say, what is it that you bring to me? Guys, as followers of Jesus, we all bring things before the Lord every day. Our life is to be a living sacrifice. What is it that you bring? And I, I'll tell you, I was convicted because I thought about my thoughts and my attitudes and my actions and my reactions sometimes. And I just said, Lord, the things I bring into your presence, the things I bring to you, they aren't always the finest. They aren't always the best. And I encourage you today, if that's you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you can make a change today. You can truly bring your best to him. And all through history, people have brought second best to him, third best, fourth best. We see it all the way at the beginning, almost in the garden. And we see Cain bringing his sacrifice to the Lord. Guys, we need to bring our best to our king. As we celebrate this Christmas season, we've got to remember the baby laying in the manger. We've got to remember these wise men bringing these extravagant gifts. You talk about over the top. They brought these expensive, extravagant things. What is it that your life brings before the king every day of your life? If you're here and you've never received Jesus, and this is your moment, or maybe you have and you recognize that your life isn't surrendered to him, you recognize that you've been living life for yourself. The Bible says that all you've got to do is believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But believing is not enough. Even Satan himself believes. It says that we've got to receive him. 
We've got to make him the Lord of our life. We've got to confess that he is Lord. We've got to ask him to come into our heart and to make us new. We're all going to pray together. And the Bible says if you pray this, you mean it with all your heart, that you become that new creation. And you can be promised that in the end, when you take your last breath, it's truly going to be the beginning of life for you. You're going to open your eyes and you're going to see the face of Jesus smiling down at you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, thank you I thank you for sending Jesus. For sending Jesus. He, was born in a manger. he was born in a manger. He grew up. He, grew up. he lived a sinless life. He lived a sinless life. And then he laid it down for me. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. That you went to that cross willingly on my behalf. You took the judgment I deserved. You took my sin, my guilt, and my shame. And you took it to the grave. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I will follow you to the end. Use me to make a difference to those around me. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I'll follow you to the end. I love you. Give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.